0: If you didn't know that it was reality, you would be convinced that it was a fairy tale. Young man from a tiny Caribbean island with a love for music records song for his island's carnival festivities, and the song shoots the number one in the world. It could have been a fairy tale. But it actually happened. Kevin Little grew up on the island of St. Vincent. His love of the arts led him to join his uncle's dance group, in his younger days. His love for the arts grew, and he began to experiment with music. Although the airwaves were pumping soca and reggae predominantly, Kevin developed a love for R&B music. His understanding of that genre and its structure would lead him to fuse melodies, rhythms, and harmonies in his head that were unconventional yet appealing. With little opportunity on the island for a full time career as an artist, Kevin sought employment with the local government. He was a hard worker, but swiftly realized that he was not prepared to give up on his dreams of becoming an internationally known artist. With what was at that time the equivalent of one month's salary, Kevin risked it all and wrote, co produced, and recorded. What he knew in his heart would at least be a local hit. What transpired upon the song's release would be beyond Kevin's wildest dreams. His song, Turn Me On, became a worldwide anthem for partygoers and lovers of dance everywhere. Kevin Little has had, and continues to have, an incredible career. He has performed on every inhabited continent on planet Earth. He journeyed from an island with a population of just over 100,000 to perform and be loved by millions of fans from every country. Kevin Little's career and life philosophies are a masterclass for any artist or musician seeking success. But for as much as he has accomplished, Kevin Little is not yet done. This Renaissance man has added yet another business to his growing empire as an entrepreneur. This is the story, thus far, of global superstar Kevin Little. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Global superstar, one of the only persons from the Caribbean to do it at that level. And when I say that level, I mean that level. Kevin Little, global icon, superstar, whatever you want to say, welcome to the Planet 30 podcast.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Much appreciate. All right.
0: Thanks for being here. Kevin, you grew up in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Tell tell us a bit about childhood. What, What was growing up in St. Vincent like in, in, in those days?
1: Yeah, um, it was a lot of fun, you know. I grew up with, with a lot of neighbors and cousins, and, you know, so we... we In, in my neighborhood, it was very safe, uh, generally safe <laughs> um, at that time, and, you know, be able to run around and play as much as we want in our neighborhood. You know, I uh, have an alley in my neighborhood where me and my cousins and stuff, we used to play with rollers
0: and stuff like that, you know, have a piece of stick on a bicycle, a bicycle, what do you call that thing? The rim. Yeah, frame. Yeah, yeah. But
1: we we used to have a lot of fun with that, you know. um, There was a lot of trees in my neighborhood too, a lot of climbing, a lot of, a lot of a lot of things that we do in the Caribbean for fun, you know.
0: For sure. So, w- when was your first exposure to music?
1: Um, at a very young age, you know, uh, I used to be singing along with the radio, the little transistor radio in the house at the time. You know, the the level of technology in the Caribbean has always been somewhat slow in terms of just getting certain things. And, um, you know, it was a little transistor radio at the time my mom could afford that we was listening music in the house. And and, um, the one radio station in St. Vincent and the Grenadines Radio 705, Um, you know, so I used to be singing along with people like Lionel Richie, Stevie Wonder, Michael Jackson all the time. So that, I would say, is one of my first exposures. Um, And then locally, you know, with the, the Calypso music and the, the the soca bands and stuff like
0: that. Isn't it amazing how in the Caribbean, you know, we really grew up
1: on a on a
0: potent mixture of music from everywhere, and so you, yeah. your tastes are far and wide.
1: Yeah, yeah, you get bit of everything, and we just songs just be hits in the Caribbean that don't be hit nowhere else. You know, people be having B sides on their album become hits in islands in the Caribbean and don't even know. The radio's pumping them and have them as hit songs, and
0: then you go outside and it's not playing. That's not the song that was the hit, you know. It's it's so but, true. You know, sometimes people wonder, how come these Caribbean people know all this country music?
1: <laughs> yeah, bro. Like yo, my state our one station every Sunday was Bay country in the afternoon, man. From time afternoon roll around. and people just lay back, relaxing, Bay country music on the radio. And a little Peter Cetera, and um, you know the old
0: Lionel's, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you you'd say your first love was more pop or R and B music before you fall in love with Soca and Calypso. Um,
1: hmm, that's a good question. I think my first love was just to be able to sing. I mm. just fell in love with singing, um, and th- well, what what happened is I gravitated to r&b singing because i had a, a a more singy singy voice a more pretty voice than uh you know in between type sing j voice which i developed later on because of the way that the music changed in the caribbean as well you know but um i would say that i just loved the singing at first and then you know what you would hear on the radio all the time would be the international music which was more the pop and the r&b and and the soul music and stuff like that. And in the in the, the carnival season you would hear more Caribbean music in terms of the local music, the calypso and the soca. You know, so it was a kind of um back and forth transition coming up from a young age with it.
0: Right, right, right. So 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 would you say music was always the plan or or what was the if it wasn't the plan, what was the, the, the intention? What, what, what did you want to become?
1: <laughs> uh, but, you know, I wanted to be in technology. I ah. always, you know, um, because my cousin's father, he was my grandmother's nephew. He was into electronics and fixing all the, the electronic um equipment for companies in St. Vincent that sold them they would all, he would be the agent that would repair any type of equipment that went bad or something like that any customer returns and all this kind of thing and he would do it for people in the neighborhood as well so he, um, I, I liked what he did in electronics and I was very into that and was always imagining being able to fix computers and getting into electronics itself and and um, being an inventor or something like that. And then music kind of fell in when I was like 13 years old. I was like, you know, I'm going to focus on getting my schoolwork done, but I think music and entertainment is where I want to be, especially after I met my uncles and stuff who were already in entertainment and the performing arts in St. Vincent. Interesting,
0: Um, interesting. So, you know, you, you leave high school and you become a customs officer. And the radio DJ. Yeah. So w- walk me through this now. Um this 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 is the, no this is like the, the elephant in the room, the big the you know, turn me on is the big, big track. As I, I pointed out in our in our pre-conversation, uh, mm. you and I met in two thousand and one at an event called Islands in the Park in Washington, mm. DC. Uh, and mm. the song had as we said in Caribbean, the song had no bus. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's true. since then, obviously. This thing has done is approaching a hundred million singles. It sold two million the first year. And mm. you did this, from my understanding, you created this song on a budget of fifteen hundred EC dollars.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, actually, I paid five hundred dollars for that. Well, no, I paid, let me see, I paid. I paid probably 750 for that song and 750 for the other song. So at the time EC? Yeah,
0: Wow.
1: Nope. I didn't have the money in the bank. That was all my money. I had like probably 2,500 EC in the bank. From working at Customs. I was making 400 US dollars a month. Less than that, actually. Mm-hmm. Probably like 380 USD a month. Wow. I was a junior officer for the first two years, which was 98, nine, um, 98, 99, 99, 2000. And then when I was going into my third year, the song bus, and that was it, you know? Um, And over that time, that was the amount of money I was able to save. I actually didn't, I, I had to actually get sponsorship, from different businesses in St. Vincent to help me pay for the recording time, help me print CDs and all this kind of stuff and get graphics done and all of that too.
0: Yeah, this was this was CD printing days? That, you know, you had to have the money yeah. up front?
1: Yeah, there was no YouTube. This was like, this was three or four years before YouTube. At that time, it was, um, let me see, it was Casa and MySpace. <laughs> He's said cousin.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah, those were the things you were sharing music. Peer-to-peer kind of thing where, they, you know, you get the music for free. Napster. And Napster, and then there was... Um,
2: and outside, there was like Toronto Lime and, Oh, yes. And all these different things that were... Helping to expose Caribbean music, and that's
1: how the music was getting out there. And the Caribbean DJs that had the the shows late night on a weekend, on mainstream radios in America, the Jamaican DJs and stuff, they were the ones who were really helping the music to go. You know, because even though you, on the soca side, there wasn't no real soca shows at that time either. On mainstream radio, it was dance hall. And then you would get a little bit squeezing of a few soca songs if they have a soca DJ on their squad, you know? Wow. And I was pushing soca.
0: From my research, it seems as if you went into this recording with the intention of twisting the sound of soca. Because you're mm-hmm. from the beginning, you, you said to yourself, I want this thing called soca to go global. So you went All in right. with the intention to twist the sound and... So you did you had a did you have a lot of input on the beat as well?
1: Yeah, I did. I mean, what I did, you know, I brought the song with me. I brought the song with melody. Because what I did, I interpolated a 112 song. It's a song by 112 that I interpolated and um created something new and changed up the melodies and made it more suitable for Soka. So when I was singing it for the producer, I was guiding him as to where I want the song and one of the things I, I i i very well remember was i told him i wanted that song of the old time panani rhythm that had
2: um little lenny with um fragile body if fragile but remember that mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Boom, 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 boom. the lighter sounding
1: bass line not the heavy one that shabba did x on but mm-hmm. the more poppy lighter sounding one and then that um that song you know there was some artists from saint vincent um uh, uh, they still are around. Primadonna Bascom and Stone Daddy had a kind of Zook song. On a, on, a, on a song. Um, I thought it was it was getting on bad with my baby or something like that. I I can't remember the song, but it had that. So I was telling him, yo,
2: I want that, that kinda ting Yeah, yeah. ting. ting-ting-ting. so he came up with ting ting
1: ting 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 And then you know, he's a he's an excellent musician, the producer Adrian Bailey. He did that, um he, you know, his his musical skills is incredible. He's a great pianist. And, yo, he just came up with a lot of orchestra hits and those little horns, those... Mm-hmm. You know, he did all them. And I heard him starting to make it come to you. I was like, whoa, this guy is an incredible musician, you know? Um And, you know, the 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 thing is, you know, we brought in some outside people to play guitars on some of the other songs as we went along but his his it was mainly him that did this one and all the all the the from the punani rhythm he turned it into so you got that you know what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah
0: was this the first time you had worked with him
1: yes the wow. first time I had done a record well, no. It was my first time doing a solo recording with him. We had met before because I was with his band Black Sand that he was one of the, the leaders slash partners in uh, back in ninety six, ninety seven, before I even got my job at customs, I was in college. In Saint Vincent, mm-hmm. uh, the technical college. Like I said, I was into electronics, and that's what I did there. I did an associate's degree. At uh, the time, I, I went on tour with them, went to Canada and stuff like that. But I didn't really like it much because you were getting paid fifty EC dollars per performance.
0: Oh. And um, if you're if you're in Canada, you're getting fifty Canadian. If you're in the US, you're getting fifty US. <laughs> <laughs> So, the, the math ain't the math ain't really mathin. Like, Yo, and sometimes they come off the stage four. Sometimes they have
1: you singing for four five hours. Cause if you remember back in those days,
0: bands used to perform all night.
1: Performing, we will perform when a band goes on. When the, the band goes on, they stay on for four hours. Sometimes we go
2: on from one o'clock in the morning till four five in the morning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was not easy,
1: and um, it was a tough thing to do. So I was like, I ain't doing this. I want to be a solo artist. So when I got the job at Customs, I started to invest my money and do it myself, pay for my own recordings. And I did some solo recordings, but they didn't do well because of the quality of the recording. And how I got to meet Adrian Bailey was because now Fireman Hooper, who is the umpteenth.
0: Soka Monarch winner
1: Soak-a-monark of uh, St. Vincent. The first year when he won, I was doing his back vocals for his first ever Soka Monarch when he did push up Push Up the wood under the pot. Mm-hmm. I was doing the back vocals on that song. And this is how I got to know him because I was in I was always in a dance group from since I was fourteen with my uncles. And we would always be doing back vocals for bands and artists and doing dance numbers for the Calypsonians and dance numbers for the music videos as well for mm. the, the soccer bands. So I was very um like affiliated in the business in all aspects. So that's how I met him because we did not only his back vocals but we did his um his perform had our dancers perform with him for that first ever soccer mona that he won. And after that, you know, when I, I, I did those are the songs, and um, uh, there was somebody from Customs that said to me, yo, Kevin, you need to get a better quality recording. Your songs are good, but the quality of the recordings is bad. So I, so I met Fireman one day, and I was like, Fire, who does do your recordings? Who you you do these recordings with where you get all this kind of good quality for these songs? And he said, boy, Adrian, <laughs> Adrian, Adrian Bailey, man, I say, Adrian, hey, for real. So I say, okay. <laughs> and I yeah, I pull my money out of my bank. I go to John, But well, I go to him first, and I asked him, you know. And yeah, I, then I I I walked with a check. and paid for my for my for my recordings, you know.
0: I would like to see somebody do a song for seven hundred and fifty EC dollars today.
1: <laughs> no, that's impossible.
0: For the for those that's of you. For those who are not from the uh, Eastern Caribbean, seven hundred and fifty EC dollars is the equivalent of about um, two hundred and fifty US dollars.
1: Mm-hmm, not even probably two, probably
0: one ninety-five or two hundred. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So it's it's a nominal uh, fee for such a great, a great uh, a piece of work. In in my experience, one of um one of the artists that I I, I used to manage um. We still we still deal with the publishing together. Uh, is an artist called Nine, and he had a song called "Get Up and Go." And there was another artist that I was working with, a um, sort of on my um, on my boutique label, called Rizzy. So Nine and Rizzy had a song. And it was a, we thought it would be a monster, and I presented it to let's just say a, a larger uh, label in the United States, and they loved the song, and they loved Nine, and. They said to me, the the guy's name was Rizzy. They said to me, you need to take off Rizzy and put on Busy, (laughs) as in as in Busy Signal. And I, at the time, I wanted to stay loyal to both artists, and we decided to just put out the song with Rizzy. No, I I I preface that to see, Turn Me On came out with Madzat as your featured artist. But, But when it when it uh, was given to the world. It was re- he was replaced by Spraga Benz. So my okay. question, my question to you is: That's not true. Okay, That's not true. tell me the story.
1: My um, version is the international version. The version with Madzat is the biggest version. That's the version that sold millions in the UK. Sold millions all around the world. The version with Spraga was done with um, Atlantic in in America for the urban market to get the hip-hop cats into the song because turn me on was so poppy and already with the mazart version we had already sold going 2.5 nearly 3 million in the world we had like the number one song in the world at the time or top five or something i can't remember now right but um the song was so big coming into the u.s and But the Urban Radio, it was only getting like the Hot 97s and, and the Power 105s, it was only getting to like number four, number three, number two. So we did that remix version with Strada for the United States that would get the Urban Radio, the hip-hop cats and stuff into the song um, to give it that, that type of edge. And um, Jeremy Hardin rebuilt the
0: beats, um, with more bassline and stuff like that. Oh, Jeremy Hardin from Jamaica. Yeah, who
1: did Sim um,
0: uh, Sim, Sim, Sim from B-Man. Yeah, yep. Yeah, he, he he's the one who did
1: that
0: remix. The reason for my for for my um, you answered the question uh, precisely that the, the answer I was looking for because many times in the Caribbean, especially, people always look for the quote unquote big feature. Oh, I need I can't put this out because I need, I need a big feature, and so. Yeah. Turn me on was two virtually unknown artists creating a wonderful piece of art, and it just exploded so that's mm-hmm. all that's all was, my question was directed toward do you think that that big features are needed because obviously it was you and Mazart. We had never heard of you guys mm-hmm. before, but then you guys created magic
1: mm-hmm. Mazart was big, Mazart was bigger than me in St Vincent at the time. Mazart was one of the biggest soca artists, already won soca monarch, I think twice before he did turn me on with me. So I was literally like humbling myself to Mazat, like, yo, Mazat, the song will sound good. I want you to go in there, listen to it and tell see if you wanna jump on it. You know? And he did his
0: <laughs> it and he bit. and he did his thing.com you on the song, you understand? Um
2: and now, you know I mean, we both very well paid off of this song, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So, we, we don't have to sing another song in our life. Wow! Amazing.
1: Yeah. So I mean, yo, the the version with Prada was a good blessing as well because that helped the song to to get in more with the urban market in America big time. And you know, it, we have a big dancehall star from Jamaica on the song, so I would expect that the Caribbean would think that that's the version. That, you know, but no, the original version was what did it worldwide. And the original version as well was what sold Canada. Um, well, no, actually it did, but <laughs> what happened is because Canada had something called can the the um, stations couldn't put it in proper rotation until we put a Canadian um, collaboration on it. So we had Ian Wilshire do the remix even before Spraga which was in 2002 with Alison Hines. Right. is what made the song go number one in Canada.
0: So I didn't know that. So in order to... A Canadian artist must be on a song?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting.
1: There must be some Canadian affiliation um, for you to get that type of um, radio play in Canada because it's... Um, it's, what is it, sixty forty So...
0: If you, they have to pay 60% Canadian content. Right.
1: Coming in with a big song, or 65%, you're only going to get 35% radio play, even if it's the biggest song in the world, unless you put a Canadian
0: artist. Wow, on it. Wow, that's amazing. I had no idea. This, yeah. All, all gems, all good information. Yeah, but that is something that um
1: that the Caribbean should do as well. To help push their music better, but it's difficult, you know, because the Caribbean is so much different countries um, with different opinions on how things should work, you know.
0: Different genres, etc. So, b- yeah. back up for me a minute. When did you stop working at customs? <laughs> when was the moment when you said, "Yeah, I done"? <laughs> uh,
1: um, I would say that happened in two thousand and. 2001, actually, at the end of 2001 in December, I ended up having to have to go to Carnival in Trinidad. I had so much bookings mm-hmm. in Trinidad for Carnival. I would have lost so much money and tell me, I would have never been what it, was, what it is today if I didn't do that
0: Carnival. Well, people, so I, went, I went in for the whole season from the end of December straight into February, so I couldn't be at work at Customs. Were people telling you, Kevin, hold on to your job, this music thing is a fluke?
1: Well, no, you know what happened? It was that I got fired or transferred from customs because of my music. You know, in the Caribbean, we have a little bit of slighting and hating. People started talking, saying how, oh, this was the first month that the song came out. Um, By the third month, I was fired or transferred because this was by like August, September, well, no, like September, like around October, October, November, somewhere there, they transferred me, they, they started saying how, oh, I'm not doing my job, and I'm walking around with cell phones every minute, which in while, well, that wasn't the case, you know, I had to buy a cell phone, because people were calling me from all over the
0: world, trying to book me. To book you, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, um, you know, I started traveling all over the world, I was in, I was all over, I was from England to Miami in the blink of an eye, uh, suddenly. And um, what what ended up happening is that this, this was a lot of envy, you know, because you have senior people inside the customs seeing this newcomer who got one epilet on his shoulder making all this money because they know and I'm going out and I'm, I'm clearing possibly like $5,000
2: EC dollars or more, on a weekend. You understand? Yeah. I was only making,
1: what, $900 dollars a month? But now, <sighs> I'm claiming, probably, uh, a senior, or even the, the comptroller's salary, in one weekend sometimes. You know, so, it was, it was a lot of envy, a lot of that happened. You know how it goes, it, it, amongst, our people, this is what happens, and, it happens amongst every people. I shouldn't even just say that. It happens amongst
0: everybody. Yeah. Um, it does, you know, it's a matter of experience. But familiarity um, breeds contempt. <laughs> yeah, but
1: you know that's that's what happened. One weekend I went to Saint Lucia, and the government had already said that they were um, keep letting me keep my job because when I go out, I'm still representing the country and um, flying the country flag because of how big the song was. But then, <laughs> then I got fired and the, the, the deputy controller said, yo, I've been telling you this all the time. That's how they, that's how, not fired, but transferred. Let me don't use the word fired. I was transferred. And so, I, when I walked into the customs, everybody was looking at me. They were like, yo, the comptroller said, you want to see you. I think they gonna transfer you. Everybody was whispering. Everybody was watching me like, <laughs> so said, so done. Wow. I, go, I see him and he talking to me like um like if he been scolding me every day. <laughs> wow. So- I've been saying this to you every day. I've been I've said this to you that you can't be doing this thing and doing this job. Like you can't. I'm like, but once I said one thing, and now you're saying something else. I didn't even you know answer him. I just did what he told me. He said take off the epilets. It's like he dethroned me take off your epilets (laughs) and report to the Ministry of Agriculture.
0: Wow. (laughs) They put put you on the field. They put me on the Ministry of Agriculture and to start from the
1: bottom, eh? Not even to, like, you know, start back at where I was. So, a month after that, which was November, that happened in October, I think, in November now, it's coming closer to December and the boss there... I'm telling her, listen, I need time off because I have so much shows right now. She says, well, I can't. I don't have, I can't give you no time off because there's nobody else. I need you to work. And I said, well, I don't know what to tell you. And that was the end of that conversation. I went straight to Trinidad. And
0: And the rest is history.
1: The rest is history, man.
0: But so where in customs were you? Were you at a port or were you in the office? Um, I was at the, the port, the customs at that time was only at the port in Kingstown St. Vincent. So, so that's um, what i They, so, had, so, they so. had some, they had some, they had
1: some at the airport, but now the, now it's split, you know, there's part in Camden Park, the port in Camden Park, now, and there's still the one in town. But, um, you know, at that time it was only Kingstown and that's where I was in the cash cage. As a, as a young, new worker dealing with cash, you know, when people will have to pay their... The duties. Their, um, their duties,
0: yeah. So, so that's what I'm getting at. Here is it. You have this huge song that's out, and people are coming to pay their duties like, wait, are you are you, Kevin Little?
1: <laughs> not really. Nobody didn't really know me yet. Because remember, when the song first came out too, for the first couple of months, actually the first six, seven, eight months, nobody knew what I looked like. Because remember, it's not like now where you have a big song and the internet goes crazy right away right it was who the hell is this guy named kevin little and they were spreading rumors he's from america oh he's he's from jamaica and then the first they said in st vincent oh that's baris harman singing soca so you know it was at that time remember there's no youtube MySpace had just social media was young and now becoming something. Literally Beyonce and these big stars at that time on social media on MySpace had like a uh, five hundred thousand followers. That was big mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. You know. So it, it was it was new and you know nobody knew who I was and I was that was something I had to struggle with. You know. In the beginnings, even in Trinidad, you know, and not be, being a no-name and people now seeing me and people being envious of me because I just came out of nowhere with this big song, you know? So it was it was a journey, but of course, it, you know, not having your name, being able to be, and people able to identify you kind of worked out for me as well, working at the customs, because then there was no embarrassment of people just walking up and saying,
0: you know, <laughs> that, that 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 would have rubbed the senior officers even worse, right? People <laughs> <laughs>
1: walking in and wanting autographs every minute would
0: not have made it right. Oh <laughs> no! Oh no! Yeah. So, Kevin yeah. did did you did you know about royalties and publishing at the time when you did first did the song?
1: Actually, I did.
0: Excellent. I, Spe- yeah, speak speak about did. that a little bit, because not because even today, yeah. not many people, many artists in the Caribbean don't understand it, etc.
1: Well, you know what happened is this, after being with the bands and realizing what they were paying me and realizing that these band owners, they were getting thousands of dollars every night and then they would take um, a small fraction of it and split it up amongst the players in the band and we would get scraps. After working so hard, I started researching to, to find out like, yo, what is really my rights you know what do i own you know what do i need to do to make sure i make money and i realized that me writing the song and owning the writing and making sure that i get my publishing was important and um even right there with the producer i was discussing my splits right away because i'm handing him money and i'm like yo this is how we're gonna split it you know that's how that's how i made sure i protected myself and all my paperwork and everything was stored. My mom had them stored away in the house. And, you know, so I was, okay. I, I was protected in that way because I, I did my research, you know, because I looked at it as a business opportunity as well. And that's why I took all the money. That, and to put things into perspective, it's not just that $750 is easy is, is a little bit of money is that at the time, that was a lot of money for anybody in St. Vincent.
0: Oh, 20 years ago, that was a lot of money.
1: Yeah, $900 was my whole salary.
0: (laughs) Wow, wow.
1: (laughs) For months. And I spent a whole month's salary, remember? two, Two months' salary, basically, to get the song done, get people to sponsor me as well, give me a little $100 here from different businesses, And
0: stuff to to get it going. I'm talking about 100 EC, not no, you know, 100 US. And you got signed to Atlantic Records, you the big record label. And soon after the song comes out, the label pushes it even more. But you, no, explain this part. I don't know, did you drop the label to start Terracon Records or did, did you start Terracon Records while you were on the bigger label?
1: I left Atlantic Records. We came to a mutual um, agreement to Pathways because, you know, the labeling itself, they, they got they got really
2: um, difficult to deal with and made a lot of follow-ups with my project. Mm. And then, too, I had a manager that got locked up and put
1: in jail right as my song blew up and I became, like, one of the biggest names in music. So that affected me badly as well. Um, so, you know, I... I I went through a lot at the time. So, you know, Atlantic couldn't, um, they, they made some bad decisions with the songs that they made, the second single, and then even to go into a third single, they were being difficult on that as well, But which in while I had songs that were number one around the Caribbean blowing up, but they did not. Um, I, and I didn't understand the business in the way of being more entrepreneurial where i put back my money into the song because i'm normal at the time you want a big label and the big label pays for the things and then the things pay back the big label but now the label has got me pigeon and they're not sending the videos to mtv they're not doing none of the stuff that they were doing before so now i'm panicking and still trying I to recoup yeah, I don't have my manager, so I'm not getting advice and I'm, I'm in a position where I'm just stuck. So we finally decided how to part ways and, um, you know, Atlantic Records paid me out for a few of my albums as well. And, um, you know, we we, we parted on, on, on good terms, I would say. Um, Craig Coleman, who was the the and r person behind my project, he was not happy to have to... Um, pathways with the project He's the
0: head I honcho know. now
1: Yeah but he did He did a hell of a job with me It's just that I was young and I didn't You know I didn't have All the experience I needed You know cause remember you come up in the Caribbean uh, At that time too Nobody is telling you anything Ain't nobody helping you dog Like you you come out
2: and you big Everybody watching inside mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. mm-hmm. How he do that <laughs> Yeah, and then I become, become so big that
1: I've left the realm of the Caribbean, so it's even worse now. You know, I can't go back and ask nobody nothing either. No. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I was in between a rock and a hard place, but everything happened for a reason, you know? Um, and, you know, at the time, after, like, 2006, after two years or so being off of Atlantic, I, I started my own label, TowerCon Records and that's how Tarakon started. Um, it was actually the idea of my uh, girlfriend at the time who became my wife, uh, <laughs> you know, to, for me to, cause she knew business way better than me. She was living here already and doing her own companies and stuff like that, had businesses running independently and things. So she basically showed me the ropes of how to navigate business in America Um, so that's how, you know, I I got my record label and started experimenting and doing other businesses and getting myself organized.
0: Kevin, what what should Caribbean artists know about major label deals or what should they look out for? Because, you know, as, as much as independent, the independent movement is being pushed, you know, you still hear a lot of artists saying, man, if I could just get a major deal, everything would be okay.
1: Yeah, but that's where they're wrong. You know, uh, you get a major deal. To, the label is gonna gonna do what they can with the the record that they think is the hot record but if you don't take initiative and start doing for yourself and start spending back whatever money they gave you to push other records on the ground for yourself which is what i failed with because i didn't really understand that i needed to take the bull by the horns because like I said, I didn't. My manager wasn't available to me properly. Was dealing with her own issues yeah. because of what happened to her, and I was stuck in limbo. I was panicking more than um, being able to get myself because I didn't have the type of support structure that I needed anymore. And you know, so it, it, you you have to you have to make sure that you're you're prepared. You have a lot of contingencies, and you learn business. Um, if you want to get into music, you need to know business, business management, and do something in business because in anything in life, business is going to come into play. So if you have the chance to learn business in school, in high school and stuff, it's important that you, you do it. Even if it's just one subject, maybe accounting or something, um, it's important. You know, I didn't have nobody to tell me that I learned this along the way, um, And, you know, I I was somebody that made millions of dollars and I was able to hold my money and really multiply it into major assets that are worth multi-millions more now. But if I had certain things back then, which wasn't meant to be, uh, it might have been a different story. It might have been better or it might have been worse. Right. But at the end of the day you got to make sure that you have certain aspects of business in your head. Like me, I knew that publishing was what I needed to own. So actually before record label even cut me a check for signing me, I got a publishing deal that cut me a massive check as well before that. So at the end of the day, doing something, having some knowledge of business or of the business that you want to get into can't hurt you know um i don't like to go back and say if i did this that way or if i did that that way that's why i paused on what i was saying there earlier and said you know maybe it could have been good or maybe it could have been better it could have been worse because sometimes knowing too much can also you don't take risks and you end up um uh shooting yourself in the foot as they say or spiking your nose to save your face Mm -hmm. you know so, you know, it's a it's a catch twenty um, two. but I think that everything with me happened for a reason because now, you know, I've I've grown my empire um with the use on and the relationships the use of and with the relationships that I've garnered with people who have helped me, um, because of the person I am. And, you know, to the youth that in the Caribbean that wanna be Somewhere with music, you know, one thing I gotta tell you is the truth is, music, like any other thing in life, it's about you, your personality, you, who you are. You're gonna attract that same personality around you. Me, I was just a very calm and humble person, and surprisingly, that's the type of people that came around me and actually um, stayed with me and helped me because I couldn't get along with people who are of a different type of personality. You know, that's why you never see me, like, with a whole heap of people around me or doing, like, other artists, maybe on the hype or whatever, because that's not the personality that is me. But that personality is what made me survive as well.
0: Correct, correct, correct. Oh, he's dropping the gems today, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Kevin, talk to us about the importance of working a song. Turn Me On came out in two thousand and one. It, it it wasn't pushed in the United States until oh four, and you held on and held faith in that song that it would just keep get it would just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Many artists sometimes say, "Oh, you know, I I, I don't want to shoot a music video for that one because that one that's from Last Carnival. I, I don't want to do that song." Not understanding that the song still has juice.
1: Well, you know, the problem with that is that the music at the time when I did that, the music industry was changing, and Turn Me On was one of the biggest changes in the music industry at the time, because that's why the song lasted so long, because it was just, it was just so different. It sounded so different um, to what was there uh, at, uh, currently, and. You know, the, the difference that it made um, caused caused a kind of shift in the sound of the music industry. You know, the, um, the song itself, people were saying, yo, what is that? Some people said, oh, his voice too high. Some people were saying everything in the song is so high. Some people were like, saying, that's beautiful. You know, most people, they loved it. And if you didn't love it, you hated it. But it was a song that I created in the industry, a song that changed the the way that Caribbean music sounded and pop music sounded, because it's being referenced back and forth constantly in the past twenty years. You know, from you can count how many artists have referenced the style and the the the, um, the composition. I'll turn me on um to create songs
0: countless countless we're yeah. we're talking the in the latin market uh, I I noticed that you just did a song with uh, Alex Sensation and Faruko and mm-hmm. Mariah Angelique that I mean that's another version of course you, mm-hmm. the, the infamous um Chris Brown and even I I was pointing this out to somebody the other day that Calibuds Mamacita mm-hmm.
1: yeah i own the music to that song um, shout out to Kali for, you know, doing things, doing business right. Um, because, you know, that protects you. Like, you know, like I'm seeing right now, I'm seeing a whole argument with, um, with these two artists. Uh, well, I haven't seen Khaled say anything, but I saw the thing happening with Sizzler right now saying that he burned some plaques on something from the song he did with them because he didn't get his name right. They didn't put his name right or something on the song, mm-hmm. so he can't get it publishing. You know, so oh, I don't know if you've seen that. You've
0: seen no, I, I yeah, I saw I saw that. I just didn't understand what the the confusion was, but I yeah, suspected well, it had know, something to do with that, publishing.
1: Yeah, but I have experienced a lot of that too, even with the songs that I have. And you have to what you have to do in that case is um, have your publisher. Your publisher is supposed to go and take care of it. Make sure that the other publishing companies change the names and correct the names on the on the song, you know. Um, and it, it, this is this is some of the things that that I, 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 the knowledge that I like to impart, you know, because that's something that's happening currently. Um, you get a publishing deal. You got publishing. You're getting publishing. Whoever is doing your publishing is supposed to be protecting your rights. And if there's issues with your name being spelled wrong on songs, once your publishing company has the proof of your splits and all this kind of stuff, it's easy to just have them call each other and fix things, you know. Um, And these things are things you learn as you learn the business of music. But, um, you know, the business of music is not taught a lot in the Caribbean, and it needs to be you know because it's a big part of our culture, and it's a massive way that people own revenue yeah, it's,
0: it's a good it's a it's a good potential yeah. revenue owner, yeah,
1: but- yeah, I mean, if you talk about Jamaica with dance you know there's more artists for capitall in Jamaica than anywhere else. music education in terms of the business of music needs to be something that's done throughout all the schools um as well. Trinidad with Carnival, all the islands with Carnival. Carnival is a big part of our, um, of of revenue, not only for the Caribbean islands, but for states in America, for countries like London with Notting Hill, for Toronto, their biggest revenue on a caribana um, is a Caribbean festival. You know, so a, a, a Carnival, you know, so I mean, Labor Day in New York, these, these, so, you know, we, we need to really do better in terms of educating our people about the business.
0: Owning owning the culture and, and, and getting revenue from it. Yeah. Yeah. So we mentioned earlier, the Turn Me On was very intentional. It was very intentional in the way you did Turn Me On in order to reach an international market. What do you think uh-huh. soca artists in general have to do to sort of break out of this, uh, the carnival slash jump and wine limitations? Because it seems as if, you know, if it's not during Carnival, the songs are not coming out. And they just, they
1: never, yeah, go ahead. You know, they never followed my example, man. Like, the, the, the problem with the Caribbean is that we're too divided amongst ourselves. Everybody want their flag to be the flag. Everybody want their artist to be the artist. And the, the unity vibes is missing, you know. Um, that vibe needs to be pushed more. Uh, we, I did turn me on as an example of how I see soca musical crossover and I showed respect to dancehall in the song because you know that
2: part that Madzard did. Well, it's a big dancehall song and a Madzard alongside Kevin Little. Yeah, you know it is? you know what go. I made that up for him, you mm. know, just
1: like Dad did it for him to do, and um. I put it in there intentionally because I wanted the dancehall market to feel a part of the record. Because it's at the time in St. Vincent what we do is called Ragasoka. Ragasoka,
0: yeah. Um, if
1: you would listen back in the past, who created that was also Beckett Cyrus. He had a song Soka Reggae, you know, talking about the mixture of reggae and soca, you know and um, slowing down the soca music, and that's how St. Vincent's soca was. It was kind of a mixture of zook and dance all somewhat at times, but more a kind of um, slower, groovier version of soca. and mm-hmm. tough times in St. Vincent's, man Road March with slow songs. Yeah. Very slow songs. Just as the Burning Flames
0: did in Antigua, they infused zook with soca to kind of create that fusion. Yeah.
1: Exactly, and Burning Flames was a group that had a major deal and did a lot of international, uh, got a lot of international recognition because of that singing song that they put songs, real songs that have more meaning than just what we could talk about with our people, whether it be just carnival, festival, or something, but talking about real things that are
0: worldly. And when I say real, I mean... Talking about more world... Universal um, themes. Yeah, universal content. That still, if it affects that,
1: like I spoke about Turn Me On, it's something that's universal. Mm -hmm. But I sang it in the Caribbean way. It's what Afrobeat is doing right now too. They're singing on a dancehall beat. And that's what I did with Turn Me On. I sang on a dancehall beat, but turned it into soca as well. There's Zouk and Soca in that beat that made it... Be a big soca song, but then when Jamaica Carnival came
0: around in 2002, it was the biggest song, you know? Because it
1: was, it was it, familiar
0: it, it to was the air. Big, yeah, and it was big before
1: the carnival. It was one of the, it was like the, all the Jamaicans were calling me a dance dancehall artist. So, at the, 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 what I'm trying to say is that soca artists keep shying away from the formula. The formula is that song that I created. It's been tried. It's been tested, and it's been reused by the hop artists. Yeah, people like Justin Bieber, um, what's his name there, Ed Sharon, All these people with their their type of records that have the similar,
2: the same formula as turned me on. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I... even in the Afro beats, the formula is the same. It's
1: that 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 tap 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 tap. Tap with some kind of good song on it.
0: You know what I'm saying? And 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 the interesting thing about that um that 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 meant it's 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 sort of a mental beat, but not really. But you're right. That tap tap. Yeah.
1: It's that, zook, that, zook. yeah. It's that zook. that zook in the song, you know that that gives it that kind of swing.
0: And you put and that R&B vocal over it, and it's like an automatic. Yes. As long as the melody is good, it's like an automatic smash.
1: Exactly. And you're talking about something that people can, you know, connect with. I think dancehall has lost that soca music, has lost that opportunity because, you know, as well, when you become big in the Caribbean or uh, big soca artists, you kind of get pigeon held to the Caribbean because you, if you don't feed them every year that same thing, they're going to just forget about you. And right. Right. Is so competing to be the, the to keep themselves there that they, to the point where they 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 slight each other, and this is something that's been going on from the beginning. When I was in bands, the bands and them back in the nineties, they would um, sabotage each other's equipment and PA song and stuff when they they're getting ready to set up to change over and all this kind of thing. So it's a it's a is a bad habit amongst we people, you know, we do this to ourselves, sabotage each other, try to uplift each other, you know what I'm
0: saying? But what, Kevin, tell me this, Kevin, have you ever felt the like pressure to, you know, recreate another traditional soca song to quote unquote, stay up to the times with carnivals back home? Because I mean, by the time Turn Me On came out, you were so huge, you were gone
1: yeah i was gone by the time it got to 2002 they were asking why you don't sing another song but then i gave them call me which was a big song throughout the caribbean i did last drop again which was a big song throughout the caribbean but people were wanting me to sing four and five songs in the carnival right you know and i wasn't doing that and then 2006 they kept stressing me to do another carnival people in the caribbean saying how you eh?" You ain't thinking but them and you lead them. So my manager at the time told me, yo, sing something to say you're coming back to your people or whatever like that. And that's where I I came up with a coming home for Carnival. And I wrote that song. I wrote that song just like I would sing. I wrote it just like that. I took it to the studio and sang it. And it was one of the biggest hits in Carnival.
0: excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So you were able to so burn, burn. In
1: Canada, all over the damn place. So it's that is like my big carnival hit to cover that question because that's what, that that actually happened.
0: Interesting. You've you've collaborated, like I mentioned, with Latin artists. I mean, people have sampled this work. To, you know, mm-hmm. for the generation that's below us, uh, younger than us. You you know they know the Chris Brown song. You know, um, mm-hmm. you would see all the all the the. the the YouTube comments, oh my gosh, Chris Brown is so brilliant and then some older Caribbean person would jump in. That is a Kevin Little song. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But you've collaborated with Shaggy, with Florida, which was one of my favorite artists. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you, is there a dream collaboration that you have not done that you'd like to do?
1: Mm, Yeah, no. Like, you know, I've gotten to the point, you know, I'm somewhat frustrated with the music industry. Um, over the years, because, you know, uh, I would love to work with every artist, but the, the whole hype and everybody only studying who have the next biggest thing right now to go work with, instead of trying to help each other and do stuff with each other, especially in black music in general, whether it be soccer, dance or hip hop or R&B or soul, it's the same type of thing. You think the talk artists and them bad, you think the dance out artists and them bad with it. It's just the same in R and it's just the same in a rap and, and all of that. And I just, you know, I, I wanna collaborate with people but I don't approach them. Mm-hmm. I've
2: gotten to the point where I don't even bother with them. Because some of them just go as far as to
1: insult you, you know? And and reply back with negative things or or not even not even answer your anything and me and Lynn, nobody tried to embarrass me because I've done what I've done, my work speaks for itself and I just feel like I don't need to be having myself in any type of compromising position to try to um, collaborate with anybody and you know from the regular fan to yourself maybe saying but boy you was Kevin Little you big you like you know but it's just not how it works it doesn't matter Every man feels that they big. Every artist feel like they the biggest thing in the world. And not everybody is like me, who humble and just chill and laid back. They look at that as you probably being pushover, uh, you know. Yeah. And it will take advantage of you. So I kind of tired of that kind of stuff, man. I just I rather do my thing when a when I, an opportunity comes where there's some good. um players involved for me to do music and make money from it that's when i do it because at the end of the day when you try too hard these days to try to you know put yourself out there to really do good work with people you don't it's not been a good experience for me let's put it that way you know? mm, mm,
0: that's unfortunate
1: yeah 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 it's not been a good experience for me so i don't really You know, there's a few artists who I had great experiences with, like Alison Hines, um, Spraga Benz. uh, But other than that, I can't really say.
0: (laughs) No, understandable. Understandable. But you you have had some good experiences traveling. What would you say Mm. is one of your favorite countries that you've been to? Um, From my understanding, and this is very rare for a Caribbean artist, you have performed on every inhabited continent on Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Mean, in Papua
1: New Guinea and
0: <laughs> Papua New yeah. Guinea.
1: Yeah, man. I've, 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 me and Maya did Papua New Guinea. That's how we ended up doing a song together. Um, shout out Brad Caribbean Entertainment who did that. Uh, you know, um, big up Brad. I've, I've been waiting to go to is Se- Seychelles Islands. They've been trying to get me for years. And every time it just, you know, because they're like a Caribbean island. Yeah. They have carnival and everything the same way. I mean, I really want to perform there.
0: You have been, you've touched everywhere. I was watching a vlog today, actually. Um, uh-huh. As I was waiting to do this interview, I just decided to pull up this vlog. There's an African guy, a guy from Kenya called Marwa, uh, who uh-huh. has a great YouTube channel. And I'm watching the thing, and he's in Sweden. And uh-huh. so he meets this other... Um, uh, he said, oh, look, there's another black person. Let me go talk to him. So he went and said, sir, you know, where are you from? And the guy said, I'm from Uganda, but I live in Denmark. I've been living in Denmark for years. And so he's like, oh, I was just in Denmark. He said, well, you should come back this weekend. He said, why? He said, because we have the Jamaican Independence Festival and Kevin Little's performing. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> Yo, that was sold out, man. I sold out that night. They had about... Three or four thousand people came out to
0: see me that night. What are the chances that I'm interviewing Kevin Little today? And this guy's talking about Kevin Little's performance, but it, it just goes to show how universal and how ubiquitous you as a brand and that's and, and turned me on and 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 the rest of your music has become uh, to the world.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, is, you know, the 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 thing is that it's it was a journey it's not just overnight you know there's parts of it that were overnight but that was just meant to be um the way it was it was overnight in the caribbean but it was not overnight in the world it took me three years to make the song a hit worldwide because what happened the song just kept growing and growing and growing everywhere keep hitting charts every year and then i kept getting shows more bigger shows more bigger shows every year you know, and, um, it's continued throughout my life where in the past 20 years or so of Turn Me On, uh, it's been just something new every year that the song has achieved. And if you look at my Spotify, it's crazy right now. Um, you know, and I do have other hits besides Turn Me On, but because they're all Caribbean hits and, um, you know, there's a few that have been hits in other countries, you know, like I've had Fire, mm-hmm, which Fire. is Fire hit, hit in Japan. Yep. Which I did that album in Japan and Fire was a big hit there and in Europe. Um <clears throat> you know, Home for Carnival was big huge in the diaspora. You know, and there's lots of songs that I own, but that song it just even the songs that are that are remakes of it or songs that are <clears throat> quote-unquote, um, biting the formula of Turn Me On, aren't as big as Turn Me On. Turn Me On is still the foundation of that song that you hear today. And that sound, I always coin it as Rock Asoka, because that's what it is. It's dance and soka. That's what Turn Me On was and is.
0: Interestingly enough, if I do remember correctly, Turn Me On and... Oh, uh, Kim by TC were like the two dominant songs that year.
1: Yeah, I remember doing a lot of shows with TC. Me and her did a lot of shows together. Who the hell is Kim? Yeah. What the hell is this you talking? Yeah. <laughs> I used to love to hear she. I used to love that Beijing accent when she's singing.
0: Man, Who the, the hell is Kim? <laughs> those two songs dominated that 2001,
1: 2002 era. Love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah man yeah yeah we did a lot of shows um me and super p as well
0: yes um, yes
1: yes yes did a lot of shows together super p um, that, and that was before i got signed actually super p was with me in the early's. um on tc i think a little later too or, or right along like it was kind of weird because Yo, I can't even remember now, but I know I did a lot of shows with the two of them, but as to which year, between 2002 and 2003, into four, after I got signed in 2003, those 2001 to two, 2002 to three, those two years was a blur. Like, literally a blur. I was performing in every island, in every place there was a Caribbean diaspora. And I
0: was performing. It was like hotel, airplane, baggage. Hotel, airplane, yeah. baggage stage. <laughs> it was a blur, man. I can't remember what year I was watching some cases, you know? So, Kevin, you're, you're known as a writer as well. The song Summer is Magic. Talk about it a little bit for us. Yeah, well... The song itself was, was,
1: was brought to me by a major um, independent label out of um, Italy. and They wanted to remake Summer Magic by Pleiote. So it's like somebody remakes Turn Me On, so but they wanted to have me sing it. So remix it sort of. So I rewrote the verses to what you hear right there. Those verses were written by me. But of course, the hook is still, and the original music is still Pleiote. Mm. Um, but it was a pretty fr- fun project. I gotta shout out the big artist, Honorable. I don't think you know honorable.
2: Yeah, I know that, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah he's the one that spared that project and put all the pieces together in terms of getting me to do it and putting me and the label together to do it, you know?
0: Coming coming from a small island, what makes you what what's what is this thing that that I, either you were raised with or you developed what makes you so brave to try these new things because as as the persons listening to the interview would have heard even from the beginning your thought process was not the same as everybody else in the industry
1: well you know i am of a different breed in the sense of entrepreneurial neural type of thinking i basically have my great my grand my great grandfather Owned the first supermarket in Saint Vincent and the Grenadines.
2: Mm.
1: Um, my uncles are all dancers and performers in Saint Vincent. Um, you know, so I, I've I, I've had that type of blood in me. My father owns his own business. He's a mechanic and runs his own uh, mechanic shop. And he also wanted to be a singer when he was young. And uh, he always says, if the if the guy didn't um, jump to the next artist because the current went when he walked on stage. He had the worst luck. He walked on stage to sing, and the electricity went. And instead of the guy, the uh, MC, giving him a chance to come back and sing, the MC put on the other person. So he never got to perform. Wow. Um, yes, but he is a, he's, he loves singing. He had a, a karaoke machine when I first um, got to meet him in my teens in new york um i mean i met him when i was very small when i was like one or two three years old when he came back to st vincent for a little bit but um i finally got to see him again in my teens when he brought me and my mom so i could spend summer with him in new york and he was always you know he had a karaoke machine and he'd be singing Bob Marley. he loves a lot of molly music you know
0: got it got it yeah. So that, so
1: that 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 is where that entrepreneurial type of vibe comes from. It's in my blood, in my family, and you know, I I at a very young age decided that music is what was gonna be my first thing to do because when I sang, everybody was like, "Damn, he sound good. He can sing. Voice sound really nice." So. You know, I I it kind of motivated me that I was like, Yeah, this is gonna be my thing and I, I kept singing every day to the point sometimes I would host myself out practising and trying to do things that other artists do and trying to sound like Stevie and trying to sound like Michael Jackson and you know, I was just very I was just a very determined person. And um, you ask the people who knew me growing up, they were just the most noisiest person they ever knew. Because <laughs> i will be singing from the time i got off the minivan from school <laughs> from the time i step off the minivan to the time i step on it again next morning here in my mouth <laughs> i was annoying because i believed in myself and believed in that and you know it's just something in me and i um I started writing songs at the age of, like, 12 and 13. I had songs written. As a matter of fact, turn me on, hook, hug me, hug me, kiss me, squeeze me. That came from the first song that I wrote, which was from a, a,
0: a, a, a Barrington Levy song, um, Tried My Best. Mm-hmm. I made up a song. Be Strong. Um, on the same rhythm, yeah, for Be Strong, that had
1: the same type of vibe and... That, I had that thing, hug me, hug me, kiss me, squeeze me, hug me, hug me, kiss and caress. I had that in the song. And I just was like, we were needing a bridge for Turn Me On. And that just fit. It's just like it, it just fit. Like I sang it and
0: there was no other take. It was just one take. Amazing, amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of you being humble, you've always Mm -hmm. taken pains to thank the Caribbean region for your Mm -hmm. success. Yeah, speak about being grateful to the because you know as you mentioned before many artists say well big up my island, big up the island I'm from but you always have you've always said the entire Caribbean like I represent the entire Caribbean.
1: Yeah well you know the thing is that as much as I big up my country St. Vincent too it's always boiled down because at the time I, I just was about being different and that was the thing with me that people couldn't understand because I wasn't selfish. And at the time it was just my flag. Whose flag who had the most flag? Everybody bring your flag. My country, you know, this one from this country. This one from the island. And you know, and I was like, yo, you know, big up my home, St. Vincent, but yo, i to thank the whole Caribbean because if it wasn't for the whole Caribbean, I would not have reached where I am today. Because turn me on was a hitting st vincent carnival so i always gotta big up my country first because they embrace me and st vincent don't embrace no choppiness eh? mm. Vincent, if, Saint, if a song becomes a hitting st vincent Beckett and show it gonna go through the rest of the region because is very very horrible when it comes to that when they see they don't like something they tell the penis straight i don't like that shit. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, they just like yo nah and they would they would jail you off the stage. I can't tell you how much times I get boo off the stage in St Vincent no St Vincent
0: St yeah. Vincent definitely created and produced some excellent soca music
1: right So now once it become a hit in St Vincent now Trinidad took it. Trinidad took it all the islands took it,
2: mm-hmm. and then
1: for it to really hit the world. Jamaica took it in yeah. their carnival and in their culture as a dancehall song. So you see, I can't like just leave out the rest of the Caribbean. It's impossible, and no artist from the Caribbean can. You have to big up the whole region. You have to thank everybody, from the smallest island in the Virgin Islands to the biggest island, maybe on, on Belize or, or Guyana or something on South America <laughs> or, or Cuba, whatever. Thank all of them, you know?
0: Very, I mean, it's very important. You had Medzart from St. Vincent, Ben from Jamaica, Alison Hines from Barbados, and all the yeah. you know the versions of the song, and they're all excellent versions.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that, again, is another reason why I have to thank the whole region, because everybody had a hand in it. I created it. I may have created it, but it's, it comes out of the soul of the Caribbean, which is in me. You know, mm-hmm. the soul of the Caribbean is the people of the Caribbean and it ain't just one island. Excellent. You know, it's, it's everybody. Excellent. Everybody have carnival. Everybody have carnival. It's true.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, we know you're married to a superwoman. Speak to us about not only the importance of being uh, thankful, but having a good team around you and also to the importance of choosing a good life partner. As, a, as, as somebody in this industry in particular?
1: Yeah, well, you know, um, at the end of the day, everything you do in life, it goes back to you, a person, how you perceive yourself, how you perceive others, and how you perceive life. I always perceived it as my life is not my own. My mm-hmm. life belongs to the other people on this earth. The people who make me, the people who become my friends, the people who care, care about me. And I'm always willing to give, I'm always willing to teach, I'm always willing to learn. And because of that, I've attracted that type of personality around me again, and that brought her to me in that sense because we're both very loyal people and we're both very um, trustworthy people. Like we be passing major money between each other and we have disagreements with money all the time. But we we make sure at the end of the day with our money and with other people's money that we don't take a cent that is not ours. And that is something because of the personality that we both have. You know, we have been just very humble people and that kind of pulled us together. And she, with her way of doing business and her aggression, is what complements my humility and calm when it comes to just getting things done. Because sometimes I have to be the one to step in and say, <laughs> take
0: it easy. He, he's <laughs> back, he's back. Pull up. So she must
1: have the whole place like Santana. You
0: understand? <laughs> you
1: understand? So, you know... But there's the common, the common things that, in our personality, like the, the, the honesty that pulled us together. And again, my manager from before, it was the same thing. Um, even though we had our failings and our disagreements and our problems that happened on her side as well, um, uh, that contributed to a lot of things good and a lot of things not so good in my career. She was, she's a very honest woman, you know, and um, because of her honesty and um, love and humility and the way that she dealt with me, I was very um, protective and loyal to her as well.
0: So shout out to, shout out to Dr. Little, everybody. Choosing a partner is, is, is essential. You heard it from the man himself. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. But you know, choosing a partner. You know, it's, it's a lot, it goes a lot more than just marriage or or having a family. It's about trust, you mm-hmm. know, and that trust and family. That word family is a very complicated word because you don't have to be married to be family. When you can be not married and not, you know, but still loyal to each other and, and still have that love and, and, and strength with each other. That is when, that is when you know you have somebody, you
0: know? Indeed. So,
1: yeah.
0: Indeed.
1: If you can't do it before you get married, it ain't gonna happen when you're married.
0: Ooh, a word, a word, a word. Kevin, talk talk to us about the, in the realm of of, of, of principles, mm-hmm. talk to us about having longevity as an artist through discipline.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm not, I am not. I wouldn't say that I'm very disciplined. I'm the kind of person that just because I like something, I will go hard. Like, I will go hard. Like, I love music. I went hard. Like, right now, I'm doing a food delivery app in the Caribbean that I just launched, and that is my focus. I'm going hard on it.
0: Ta- ta- so, tell know, us like, about it. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah. It's called Von Zoo. It's a, a tech company, really. and um it is started right now in st vincent um our first project is food delivery which our app is similar to uber eats doodash and all these major players um right now we have people from the diaspora of st vincent and the grenadines ordering food for their family from all the restaurants and soon to come all the supermarkets and pharmacies and the wholesale, all of that—we're doing everything just like Uber Eats here in America, in the Caribbean, and it's gotten really big already.
0: Awesome.
1: Thousands of transactions per month now in Saint Vincent, and nobody would believe it. We're doing a, a good, like lots of deliveries per day of food. The delivery business is really big in Saint Vincent right now. So you know, I'm ver- I'm very happy with it, and I'm going hard because. You know, I see it being the biggest delivery app in the Caribbean, so I'm working towards that. I've actually set up um, teams already for Barbados, for St. Lucia, um, Antigua, Grenada, Trinidad, Jamaica. Even in Guyana, I have people getting ready to start, you know. so. You know, we we have a a product that is incredible and I'm just very excited about it to bring it to the Caribbean because it's going to bring jobs too, you know. um, And, you know, it's, it's it's a serious product. I believe in it. We have three apps. We have an app for the driver. We have an app for the restaurant and we have the app for the customer. So there's there's three apps that's running. There's also the website, which is com. And we're going to diversify as well. We're going to be bringing rideshare like Uber, the regular Uber, which, you know, you can um, just order a taxi or get somebody come pick you up, you know?
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Kevin, what does success look like to
1: you? You know what? My thing is always about longevity. That's what success look like to me um and it's because of the industry that I'm in it's it's really about being able to have longevity there's you can count the artists on your finger that have gotten longevity, and the way they've done it is by diversification finding different means or ways of revenue in the industry of music to be able to not have to <clears throat> work as hard like take for example Mariah Carey. She has the biggest Christmas song in the whole world, generates <laughs> tens of millions every year mm-hmm. around Christmas time, right? So, and she's learned to use that and make that one of her, well, probably her main revenue on every year. She don't even have to sing another song. At all. After that. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, like, her with me, Turn Me On is like that for me. Every summer... That song just goes crazy. And even after, because it's a great radio song, it plays amongst all kind of different genres as well throughout the year. But summer is my time. And I've been able to get my publishing to grow because I've constantly had other people come and want to redo the song. And their versions have become successful. But guess what? I own those versions and I get... The residual income from that as much as I get from turning me on. So, you know, um, that is for me what, you know, the, the, that, that success looks like, you know, longevity. And it's, it's the same in any business. It's longevity. You start a business, you can't expect it to be the biggest thing the first year. You always got to go in expecting that you got to spend five years to make this business successful. And that's how you gotta upset your mindset. You know, nothing is made overnight. Um even with Turn Me On, people said, Yo, yo, this gonna be a big hit. But they didn't understand the type of work and the type of troubles I would have for see to be where I am
2: today. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? It, it was. It it may seem to people that it's overnight, but it's the longevity.
0: They see they, they see your on. glory and not your story.
1: Yeah, now I'm making more money that I did in the beginning. Now, you know, because I've I've been able to diversify myself and and build wealth with my music, um, and that is what success looks like for any business you want to do. You want to build a restaurant. It's going to take you five years. Even if it starts big, if you get big really fast, you're going to have a lot of overhead right away. And you're going to find yourself catching your ass to literally keep up with the bills and more breaking even than making profit because you weren't prepared for that big success right away. You were prepared to grow. But if you stick with it and continue, you will find a point where you're able to get things under control. And that's what is the difference between people who are successful and not. It's the ability to not give up and keep going because you see big things happen for people and then it's just done. It just ends and you never hear about them again. Somebody wins the lottery and it's just over. You know, somebody (laughs) starts a a business and it becomes the biggest thing and in one year it's gone. You know? Yeah. So, it's all about consistency and being able to do the work to keep yourself going even when it's not going good. You know?
0: Excellent. Excellent advice. What would you say to 16-year-old Kevin Little?
1: I wouldn't say nothing. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, you know, people always on this. You know, everybody, always on this. Yo, what would you do? If you could go back and change anything or, you know, I won't change a damn thing because...
0: What was supposed to happen to happen. The one,
1: the, the one thing I might say to myself might end up getting me killed along the way because I can't tell you the amount of situations I've been in that if I had handled things a different way or had a different type of outlook because... Somebody gave me a different type of advice that I would actually take, that I could have ended up dead or broke. Or, you understand? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, tell, I wouldn't tell myself anything at 16. I would let me be me. Because at 16, I was the noisiest kid. 17, the noisiest kid. 18, the noisiest kid. Noisy as hell. Singing every minute. People throwing stone on the house. Saying, boy, shut your mouth. You're singing too much. We don't go sing Calypso. But if I didn't do that, I would not have been where I am today. So you know, and we, you may want to you may want to look at life and say, "Oh, if you didn't go back and do this," but if you didn't go back, you might not have your own podcast now.
0: There you go. There you go. Yeah. Everything happens for a reason.
1: Everything happens for
0: a reason. And on the lighter side of things, mm-hmm. what is your favorite food from Saint Vincent? A place, um, a place known for the for, for, for culinary you know delights. My
1: favorite place to eat in San Francisco. Or no, your favorite dish. Your favorite dish, man. I don't know. I've never really thought about it. I eat, you know, I eat everything. <laughs> you know, I just portion. I eat everything, and I drink a lot of water. And I, you know, I like pillow. I like. The, the regular Caribbean food, even the Jamaican food, the oxtail the and the, the curry goat and the, the fried dumpling and, you know, um, we even have the patties the same way in St. Vincent, you know. Um, you know, I love a, a good Sunday cook in St. Vincent. You know, we got macaroni pie and, you know, the rice and peas and vegetables and some um, some stew chicken. Or a good barbecue chicken or something, you know?
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah. So, that's, that's a good like a good Sunday lunch.
0: Sounds like a good Sunday lunch indeed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like, really like still my ice cream on a Sunday. On a Sunday, I just have ice cream in the evening. That's the only time I just have ice cream because guess what? When I was growing up, the ice cream van would come every Sunday in my neighborhood. And everybody running up the ice cream back to buy ice cream.
0: <laughs> childhood memories boy
1: yeah so it's still i still like that on a sunday i look for out ice cream and it's a good thing it was only once a week i was getting it because you know you can't eat them things too much
0: not every day no no not every day yeah yeah so i'm a tourist from wherever why should i come to st vincent
1: st <laughs> vincent is one of the most historical islands in the caribbean we have one of the Oldest botanical ga- gardens in the region. Well, the oldest botanical gardens in the Caribbean, in the, in the Western Hemisphere, actually. Oh wow! We have the oldest oldest botanical gardens in the Western Hemisphere, right? Uh, that, and that was Captain Bligh. Plant the first breadfruit tree right there in St. Vincent and that garden. We have the oldest, uh, if not, don't quote me, Catholic church in the in the Caribbean, right there. In Saint Vincent,
0: a lot of history.
1: Um, mhm. We have one of the biggest volcanoes in the region. It's a good hike. It erupted the other day, but it's a sight to see. I have never hiked it. I've always wanted to, and I've never gotten the opportunity. That's one of the things I've never done in my own country: hike the volcano. Um, I'm gonna give it another couple of years before I do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let, let it, let it calm down. Let it calm down. Yeah, let it let it simmer a little bit. Let me make sure it's not going to erupt at all. You know? <laughs>
1: but, um, you know, it's a nice it's a nice um, hike. Uh, and nice view, too. You know, the, the crater of the volcano is a mile wide. So you can stand from one end and look at the other side. You're looking straight across. One. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. a very big volcano. That's a lot
0: of power. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> You, you saw one of the eruptions, how it shook, like the the explosion in Lebanon? Straight yes. across the water.
0: <laughs> yes. It <laughs> yes. takes
1: almost half the island,
0: the volcano. Man, yeah, I, when it erupted, I remember speaking to a friend of mine in Barbados, and he said, we're suffering right now from ash from St. Vincent. Yeah. And St. Vincent is not, it's close, but it's not that close to Barbados. a 100 miles that's a lot a lot of way for ash to travel
1: (laughs) Yo, ash travels thousands of miles because it gets up in the clouds it's light it's already burnt and flying
0: so it's up in
1: the clouds going man my goodness yeah but um you know there's there's a lot to see in saint vincent you know we have waterfalls and then we have the grenadine islands that mustique which is one of the most prestigious islands in the world you have um people like mick jagger uh the queen have property there
0: yeah uh, have have you have you ever hung out in mustique with like other artists from like other global artists
1: have i ever been there with other global
0: artists yeah like have has, have they come down for vacation and said hey this is where kevin little's from and you, and you guys <laughs> pa- party together <laughs> no
1: no no actually uh (laughs) i've never done that i've never you know but i've met a lot of people around there and you know the island itself is highly exclusive you have to get permission to go there even as a national because it's a it's like a gated community mostly company you know Um, so you know there's 50 million dollar houses sheiks and stuff from dubai have homes there wow
0: wow okay
1: yeah so it's a very exclusive place. You have big mansions and stuff in Mustique. Okay. Um, and then you have Beckway, which is one of the, the has one of the biggest sailing um, events. Every That's year. right. That's right. The Beckway Regatta. Um, you have places like Union Island that has the Val Festival every Easter. In St. Vincent, Union Island is the place to be. Um, yo and you know just the mainland itself is fun man there's always a party on the weekend now and you know we have a lot of beaches you know everywhere else are white sand but we have volcanic ash black sand beaches so it's a difference something different to be a part of an experience um and yo the tourism in st vincent is going crazy now you know there's there's lots of hotels coming sandals is coming and Yeah, there's a lot to look forward to in the future as well with the country.
0: A lot of variety. And, of course, in a a big way, Kevin Little put the country on the map. (laughs) 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 What's the next big thing for Kevin Little?
1: Yo, I'm telling
0: you right now, Von Zoo. Von Zoo. Everybody remember that name.
1: Von Zoo. Look it up, man. Check out the app on the... The Apple App Store and an Android Store. You can download it, and if you're from Saint Vincent, and you live anywhere else in the world. You can sign up and create an account and um, set your location to whoever person in Saint Vincent you um, you want to send food to, and label the location as maybe um, mom's home and order food from one of the restaurants on the ground in St. Vincent and it we will deliver it straight to our door. And you can track your order the same as with Uber. You get updates and text message alerts every time a change is made to the order, whether it's prepared, preparing, uh, you know, driver coming to pick it up, you know, all these little things.
0: Excellent. <laughs> that was going to squeeze a question. I was going to ask you, does your son realize how big you
1: are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, but you said you kill wanting me to be even bigger every minute. You know, kids with the hype, you know, social media runs the world now. So everybody is rating everything by social media. Numbers. Meanwhile, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of broke multi-million followers people on
0: social Oh, media. please believe, please believe, please believe. <laughs> so you know, yeah. There's reality and then there's social media reality. When you're 105 years old and you are perched on the veranda, as they say in the Caribbean, of your house overlooking the beaches of Mystique in the mountain range in St. Vincent, what would you say is your ultimate goal? What is that thing that you wanted to do? And at that moment you'll say, I wanted to do it and I did accomplish it. What is that goal at the end of all of this?
1: Yo, be happy, man. Like, and be able to to move on with things, you know? give. What I, Whatever I build is not for me. It's for the people who are taking care of me, the people who are the reason for me to want to live and to do things. You know, because uh, as Denzel Washington said, you never see a U-Haul behind the hearse. So, you know, if you get to that, when you get to that point, which at this current moment in our human existence, there seems to be no other way to go. Um... Yeah, you know, you, you want to, by those times, detach from all material things and have all material things be uh, just something for you to use and just, you don't have to work for it. It's already there. Money coming in your sleep, you don't even have to think about it. You know, and you just give, you know, like, I won't be like Gates and them where just give away the damn money. Mm. Because I think that every human being should have that dream, you know, to be at the point where you can just help other people. Because so at the end of the day, the, it, it, it is what we are designed to do. We are here for each other. We're not here for ourselves.
0: Excellent point. Excellent point. Now, Kevin, this is a point in the interview where I strap on my spacesuit and I go out into the atmosphere and I leave you on Planet 30 alone. The planet is yours. Say whatever it is you would like to say to the audience. You know, um, I want to thank everybody for
1: supporting me, everybody who's listening that has supported the artists, myself, Kevin Little, throughout the years, has been on this journey with me from since 2001, or got on the train in 2003 or 2004. You know, when my music crossed over, I want to say thank you and keep Supporting and keeping my music alive and um, making, you know, strides in the world. Um, As you can see, I've been taking my talents that have been given to me by you, the people, um, and doing more with it. I'm not just into music, I'm into business. I'm doing a lot of other things. You know, I'm a big fan of people like Jay-Z and Puffy and, you know, these people who diversify themselves and do a lot more than just be one dimensional. They're multidimensional. They're, you know, they're they into a lot of different things and doing a lot of different things. You know, I'm a big fan of people like Obama and Denzel Washington, who I mentioned earlier. You know, uh, it's all about, you know, th- th- finding a way to, to just be in the world in a loving way, giving back, being kind. Helping your fellow man. Just humility, you
0: know? Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Perhaps the most important question of the day, Kevin Little, how do we contact or follow you?
1: You follow me on Instagram at Kevin Little. Um, I've been having some trouble with Facebook. Somebody hacked my page and totally took away my 100,000 followers. Oh, uh, no. Facebook fan page um but you know i'm not stressing about it because really and truly they can't take away kevin little kevin little will always be kevin little so the instagram is enough and then now recently i'm having the worst luck with meta all of a sudden facebook writes me your facebook account is in violation." I'm like, I'm in violation? What violation now? All I do is what I post on Instagram, I let it go straight to my Facebook. So I don't know what violation I'm in now with Facebook. So you can't even find my Facebook, my regular Facebook profile right now on Facebook. Uh, and I've been trying to log and be saying it'll take a few days or a day. We usually take
0: a day or whatever to get back. But a man of your stature should be able to call up on the phone and say, hey, Mark, this is Kevin Little. <laughs> I wish I wish these companies, these social media
1: companies have failed where that is concerned. When it comes to dealing with verified people and really um, protecting them and looking out for their needs. Uh, I wish they had they had done similar to why and must. somebody should have done that a long time ago where verified accounts or paid accounts that come with certain type of services that the the company would look and protect your account a different way to a regular person's account because it's a business account, you know? Right. But they failed miserably with that. Um, I know he tried to do that with Twitter and it didn't really work because it's too late now, really. I don't know if he's still doing it, but...
0: Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. But, you know, the verified thing was... Basically creating the division so that we can chase this this little bean, this little tick
1: mm-hmm. but if you chase the tick, what's the sense of chasing it? Why don't you just have people pay for it? It's another form of revenue where they if they get a monthly subscription, if you're a big artist or a big celebrity, you could pay ten dollars a month for a, a verified account
0: but i but I guess they didn't want everybody to have a tick <laughs> no, but then you have to you have to qualify ah okay i see what you you mean like apply for it i get it i got it yeah a public figure you have
1: to prove that you're a public figure and they have things that they made me do to get my accounts verified you know um they had to identify me my id and all this kind of stuff a major label had to vouch for you or something but then there's no perks to it more than a blue tick (sighs) interesting Yeah, and then I I tried to get by my Facebook fan page, but then everybody trying to exploit me. Some people want to charge me $15,000. I'm like, huh? Oh, no,
0: no, no, no. We know, uh, the the important part is that we know who you are.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm like, yo, you know, that's not a good business decision, you know? Like, uh, I mean, social media didn't make me. You know, I actually became successful because the internet was going in that direction and I was one of the first artists to be successful because of the internet. That's true. We kind of worked hand in hand. Social media was not around. It was just the sharing of music. So the Spotify type companies is what really helped me to breed my success because they were sharing the music for free and all this kind of stuff on the internet.
0: That's very true. But yeah. Kevin Little, global... Icon, the man who pushed Soka to new borders and boundaries, the man who's performed in all inhabited continents on this earth. That is a feat. Asia, mm. Europe, Africa, South America, North America, Austria. Man, the man himself, the legend. Kevin Little, I cannot thank you enough for being yeah, on man. the Planet 30 podcast.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. All right? And okay. congratulations.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com Planet 30. Our email address is OnPlanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30... Visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.